And welcome everybody to the fourth episode of the Ministry of Dice podcast. I'm Chris, aka True Mr. Six, and with me today I have Andy, aka Smashing Dynamite. <laughs> Smashing Dynamite. Since... It's good that one, isn't it? <laughs> I might stick with it. You might stick with it, like a stick of dynamite, some might say. Have you got some just... sort of app that just randomly slangs <laughs> words together? <laughs> Just, just how my brain works. Okay, so yeah, I'm Chris, aka True Mr. Six, and this is Andy, aka Smashing Dynamite. Uh, hello, hello. Some of you listeners may also like to know that Andy is also the chairperson for the James Blunt Fan Appreciation Club, which is which is not a well-known fact. Uh, and we're here today, UK-based, <laughs> to talk about <laughs> Dice Masters. Woo-hoo. How are you, my man? You okay? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, we're cracking on, as always, or, uh, you know, any other cliche you want to insert here. I'd complain, but who'd listen? <laughs> no one to our podcast, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plodding along. We've got lots of exciting content coming up on this episode. We're going to be having a little bit of a chat, updating everyone on what we've been up to, and then talking a little bit about some upcoming UK events information. We are going to be talking a little bit about the meta over here, both past, present and future, and also giving a little shout out to some of the podcast friends that we've accrued over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. The the main part being about the meta. It's a really good. Well, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy listening to it. Um, you can also listen to the fact that I have got a stinking cold throughout the whole thing as well. <laughs> yeah, tr- <laughs> tremendous. I don't. Well, I've listened to the. I've I've listened back to it when I've been editing it, and I think it sounds okay. We'll let the listeners decide. Yeah, sure. Let us know. Post in the comments below if Andy sounds throaty and or sniffly to you. So, what have you been up to lately, my man? Got in a few games of Dice Masters since we last spoke. Did manage to get online with Mickey and we played a old school AVX draft on Vassal, which was cool. Oh, he, he managed to draft Green Goliath. Uh, <laughs> yet um, I still managed to beat him 2 1, which was satisfying. Cheers for that, Mickey. I would expect nothing less from the UK National Dice Masters champion. 2017 yeah uh, and then uh, a bit of a secret project that was practicing or just started practicing with which the listeners will find out more about on the next episode Ooh. so very exciting extended andy's q branch yeah, oh, yeah intriguing come back for episode five to find out more about that it could be good that's all i'm gonna say it could be good how about I, you yeah i fit in a bit of dice masters so me and my man duncan we get together down at Element Games in Stockport. Uh, we did a just a kind of little themey DC only thing, playing around with DC cards, mostly to mark the fact that Superman and Wonder Woman has finally arrived on these shores. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Just as just as our brothers and sisters in the United States receive their Maximum Carnage and Guardians of the Galaxy cards, we receive our Superman and Wonder Woman cards. So yeah, we got together and just built a rookload of DC teams based around Superman and quite a lot of Batman stuff actually because we're still playing around with that set and had just a little bit of night of uh, experimenting, brewing with stuff. I'll tell you one thing that I did discover as a result of that, Jimmy Olsen and Superman is just disgusting. It's a good... Oh, mate, it's disgusting. We played around with a few different combos, trying some different Supermans and stuff. Duncan had built one with, I forget the... It's the Superman that's the promo card in the uh, in the collector's box. Is it up, up and away or something like that? 
No, no. So up, up and away was the one I tried out. So he's an interesting one. He goes straight to the bag when purchased and also discounts action dice. That was the one I was playing around with. Duncan was playing around with the one that gets cheaper. So he was just buying it for dirt cheap. Right. Buying it for dirt cheap and filling his field up with an unholy amount of Superman dice before I'd even, you know, even started my win condition strategy. So that was interesting. I also played around with a uh, Harley Quinn, the rare Harley Quinn from the Batman set, the one that takes a point of life and gives you a point of life at the beginning of every turn if you've got two villains in the field with a little list that I've been brewing up and messing around with. Uh, That was quite a nasty combination with Lissa Drac, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, which was quite a lot of fun to play, a villainy-themed team. What else did we try out? God, just all sorts of little DC combos. We gave the new Wonder Woman cards a bit of a go. I mean, she's just a powerhouse again. In fact, if there's any new players listening to this right now, just go out and buy that Superman Wonder Woman starter set because it's got some immense meta cards in there, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll play on Tuesday night and uh, certainly prove that. Yeah. Her, her stats, without anything else, even if you don't take into account her abilities, her stats are awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then just the game techs on her are just second to none, really. So, yeah, lots of experimenting, lots of playing around. I've definitely got some core teams to tinker around with. The Jimmy Olsen Superman, I mean, we were playing DC only, so we were only using DC set cards. But in a modern or a golden age, open constructed, there is just, there's going to be some filth coming down the pipeline with them pair. I I absolutely guarantee it right now. We're we're going to be seeing them on WKO lists. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. I look forward to it. Yeah. You like my filth. So lots of Dice Masters. And then I've been on a caravanning holiday. And the hashtag competitive wife, the current Mrs. Six, we, we like to get a bit of two-player gaming on in the caravan with a glass of wine. I've mentioned it before, I'm sure I have. Uh, and we smashed out quite a, quite a few games once we got the little kitty winks to bed. So that was a lot of fun as well. A bit of love letter. Uh, a little bit of hive. Three Cheers for Master, which is a popular one with us. Uh, tried out a new game called Temp Worker Assassin, uh, which I picked up from a Kickstarter ages ago, and we just haven't got round to giving a go. And then we met up with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and got a little bit of Cards Against Humanity on the go. And at this point now, in order to keep the remainder of this podcast family-friendly, I'll stop there. <laughs> They've just produced a Disney one, haven't they? Disney Films, Cards yeah, Against Humanity. I'd, yeah, I don't know if that's official or not, the Disney Films one. I don't know if that's official or not, but it's uh, it's open source, isn't it? Cards Against Humanity, so anyone can make their own cards, uh, yeah. uh, and they're quite happy for you to do so. So that was good. And then another new game, which my brother-in-law had bought me, but the uh, name of the game is too rude to say out aloud, but it rhymes with pluck, and it's a it's a word play game. Uh, so just Google it if you're interested to know about that one. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Andy, you had a few people you wanted to give a shout out to this week. Yes, I did. First one to Ted, Ted Amerson. Yeah. Uh, just, just got one thing to say to him. Ooh, right in the dice bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to line up a game of Dice Masters for a long time. I promise you, Ted, uh, we will get it together. But thank you so very much for your support. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, love your comments, mate. It's yeah. Appreciated. Next up, Dante. A.K.A. Phil Moss. Phil Moss, that's right, yeah. Big thank you to you, mate, for doing all our little designs and our, um, uh, what are they called? The the logos. 
Yeah, so the the logos and the little sidekick guy. Thank you very much for doing those for us. It's again, it's appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, Dante. And then just to give our listeners a little behind the scenes insight into how we go about recording the podcast, Andy and I have both had a week's holiday. Not not together though. It was separate holidays. No, no, two separate holidays with our separate families. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> Dice Masters road trips. But we heard, we were listening to the Reserve Pool podcast, both of us separately, uh, while on our holidays. Um, we were very grateful to hear that Isaac and Michaela over on the Reserve Pool podcast uh, were kind enough to give us a mention. However, we've clearly had an episode between them mentioning us because we'd recorded it in advance to, <laughs> to accommodate our holidays. So apologies for the delay, guys, but thank you so very much for, for mentioning us. We really appreciate appreciate it and we thank you for, for promoting our little podcast too great stuff thank you guys for listening and for your kind words uh yeah absolutely we really appreciate your support so uh, yeah there's our shout outs this week right now uh, it's uh, on to a request for a future q branch that i'll be running it's going to be an agony aunt question and answer session so if you guys out there have got any dice masters related problems or if for that matter if any problems at all that you want to share with us uh then send us a message on the comment section or not on the comment section but in what's it called the the uh contact us if you go contact to the contact us. us tab at the top yeah send over your dice masters or as andy says whatever problems uncle chris and agony aunt andy are here and ready to offer our advice and support through whatever Dice Masters tough time you might be having. So please, please do go and send us some content through because <laughs> um, I think Andy will have a lovely little cue bench in line for us off the back of that one. Do indeed. Also, if you, you wanted a shout out or you wanted to get in touch with us, uh, again, you can write to us by the contact section or pop a comment onto the blog post for this podcast and we can give you a shout out or uh, if you want me to do it right in the dice bag for you uh, <laughs> again uh, let us know absolutely yeah great okay well let's get this show on the road shall we and talk a little bit about some of the upcoming uk events that are in the pipeline this is london calling here is the news Okay, so Andy, you've been gathering up a list of events that are due to take place in the coming weeks and months even here in the UK. So we wanted to take a moment just to update any listeners out there who are on our fine island and to let them know what's going on around and about the country. So over to you, my man. Okay, so we've had a few messages of events coming up over the course of the next few weeks and and months, as Chris said. Also been contacted by a few clubs who wanted to give a shout out for their weekly nights. So you can go down and meet them if you are looking for Dice Masters in your area. So we'll start off with a few events coming up. First one is something that I saw on Facebook. It's at Calamity Comics in Hatfield. It's on Wednesday, the 6th of September, starts at 7 p.m. And it's Dice Masters Fight Night. Not sure if that's uh, modern or golden, but I'm sure if you message them and ask, then you can get some Dice Masters in if you live in and around the Hatfield area. You know what they say, first rule of Calamity Comics Fight Night is, don't you, Andy? Don't talk about Calamity Comics Fight Night. Yeah. Easy to say. Uh, we've got we've got another one uh, Entoyment Wargaming and Hobby Store in Pool and Dorset Stu who is I think the leading man behind the, the Dice Master scene there they are having a Deadpool draft on the 21st of September starting at 6 o'clock I would have loved to have gone but I don't finish wait till 6 and I'm an hour drive away but have a great time there guys that should be awesome fun getting some Deadpool action in there 
A couple of clubs that have contacted us. We've got Ben Scott, his guys meet at the Triple Crown Pub in Richmond on a Thursday night. They meet up there from 7.30pm. Uh, so if you're living around kind of Richmond, is that the South London? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like um, it. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get told if it's not. Yeah, meet up there. Uh, the, those Mussels and cockles, ain't it? Um, on my dog and bone. Yeah, we'll get um, Ben on the dog and bone. Yeah, and that the apples and pears. Uh, <laughs> to, to the uh, to the room in the pub where they'll be playing Dice Masters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, if, if you're interested in playing, I'm sure they will be more than happy to take you through a few starter games. And with the calibre of the guys who play in that group, you will be smashing face at a national level in no time, I'm sure. For sure. Um, the other group we've been contacted was uh, TJ, who um, plays in Settlers in Hamilton. Meet on a Wednesday uh, at half past six. And to, to quote his words, it's a blend of modern theme nights draft and golden age fractured universe events, which uh, is a lot better than anything I could put together. So that's why I <laughs> read that out. <laughs> I've been contacted by these guys, but I know that Athena Games in Norwich have a really good scene. My uh, man, Johnny Ellis, I know he plays from that store, uh, and I know that they play pretty regularly. So if you are in the Norwich area, hit them up, ask them when they're playing, and again, for a top calibre of gamer to play, and they'll, I'm sure they'll show you the ropes there. Cool, so quite a lot going on, really. Oh, let's not forget my store, Element Games, of course. Uh, how could we? Yeah, we uh, we have a. St- I say my store is my local store. I don't own it or anything, but um, we have a standing casual event night every Tuesday that starts at 7:30. But there's casual play usually from 6 p.m. onwards. And I suggest you get in touch with us on Facebook because we quite often will put the theme nights on to get some little exciting, uh, challenging brew action going on. Yeah, you've often got some really interesting and different ideas for events. Keeps it quite and exciting. I, I'm a, a lurker in the Facebook group just to see what you guys are up to on a on a Tuesday, like a dodgy voyeur. Uh, but uh, <laughs> always, always plenty of tea, uh, flapjack and bourbon creams as well at that event. I make sure of it. Uh, as, as very British of you. I do try. <laughs> the last one I've been uh, contacted about was from Barney from both the UK Facebook group and the UK Facebook trading and events group. They're, this is quite exciting. The Crescent Gaming Consortium is running a modern Dice Masters tournament over the weekend of the 11th and 12th of November. Uh, prizes for this are pretty good. It is the first place. So I'll be winning a bespoke playmat and a gravity feed. And uh, at second place, so... Um, I'll be winning. <laughs> Chris will be winning a... No, uh, a, a so Ben will be winning. Ooh, no, that sounds far too much like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> second place is a gravity feed. Very exciting. That sounds like a absolutely cracking event. And it's really well located. I'd quick look on Google Maps and it's slap bang kind of in the middle of of the country so i'm sure there'll be quite a few people going to that and um uh, the prizes are high so that concludes the community focus events for the week thank you very much andy for this next segment we'd uh, like to have a little bit of a chat about the uk dice masters meta and we've labeled it informally between ourselves the uk dice masters meta past 
present and future. So a little bit of a look as to what sort of things we had going on in the past, a little bit of a chat about how we feel things are going right now for us in terms of our meta, and some of the stuff we're interested in or excited about for the way we think the meta may be transforming in the coming months. And it's a good time to talk about it, I think, because we're out of competitive season right now. We're, we're on the verge, it's, it's on the horizon for us, and it's a good time to kind of start thinking about what that meta is going to look like, how we're going to play within that meta, and what our upcoming competitive season might look and feel like so andy yeah i know you we've been uh, messaging prepping up this segment for a couple of days now you've got quite a lot of thoughts the dice masters meta in the uk passed then what's the the big ticket items of discussion in, in that space there certainly for me i think i can section it out into times uh, i think we had the meta prior to nationals 2016 then we had uh, nationals 2016 themselves then we had the the period from nationals through to the wkos that we've had for the first time over the course of the last season culminating with nats this year uh, which kind of brings us up to date so i think we can kind of separate it into the, the four different sections as kind of releases have come out and as events have happened well big events have happened within the uk itself yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, an interesting point you make there is that we, we weren't actually following the WKO structure prior to the 2016 UK Nats, were we? And it's only been the 16-17 season that has been the first time we've kind of followed that cycle, that was that formal cycle that WizKids ran. So I could definitely see you thinking there in terms of chronological breakdown of how things have evolved for us since the release of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think coming up to 2016 Nationals, mate, for myself, I'd never, ever played in any kind of competitive event or competitive gaming event before, ever. So it was prepping for that. The kind of meta was quite open. It's quite AVX-dominated in the card choices as they were, seemed the more powerful of, of the sets. Fair Under Siege had just come out, but I think that it was quite new, so we hadn't kind of got our head around all the different cards fully. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and we hadn't had that WKO model to allow us to get a sense as to what we might be walking into. So UK Nationals in 2016 was two qualifiers and then a Nationals event over the weekend of the UK Games Expo that year, wasn't it? It's likely that worldwide there was much of a replication here as to what you, you might have seen around the world at the various different events. Lots of Serena, lots of the Hulk Green Goliaths knocking around, popular cards like the Kobold for swarming, Johnny Storm, Human Torch for direct damage strategies. We, we probably were still quite on point in terms of what the worldwide meta was doing but i think we hadn't quite had that preparation time to really get a sense of our competitive scene so it was like a, a big bang for us wasn't it it was it was i mean it was a fantastic event thinking of the, the teams that myself and my, my friends that I, I went with we prepped up we, it, they were all three of them were completely different uh, i had a, a johnny storm with jade giant which in my personal opinion i think that he's he's better than green goliath a team that basically evolved around getting johnny storm out fielding lots of little characters which would then ping jay giant to get rid of anything that was on the opposing uh, field and then you know, do the damage with johnny storm and then swing in with the rest but uh, my friend who i went with mickey he had a guy gardener team and the other chap that i went with rob uh, had a team centered around firestorm from justice league and all three teams were on a par and and even though completely different like you know won some lost some without playing on a competitive event before they seem to be up there with the meta cards and characters that we could play with at the time yeah sure sure that, that also just as a little side note was when we first met in fact yeah the first competitive game i ever played was against you mate <laughs> yes indeed it was yeah <laughs> and we drew 
We, uh, yeah, one each at a time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. One each at a time. Yeah, and that's where the uh, legendary photo of you in your Captain America hoodie <laughs> came <laughs> from. Yeah, and just coincidentally, we played in the first round of the Nationals this year as well. Yeah. And more than likely next year as well. Yeah, ho- hopefully not. Um, <laughs> hopefully not. Not if you bring any, any more filth like you did last year. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a really interesting event. I think it was, as you observed, the birthplace of the UK scene, where all these people from around the country first came together and met for, formally face to face, which was great. Um, but I think, yeah, it was it was a nice open meta with this really interesting spread of teams and ideas. And then, I think there was still you know, some of the big power cards were there, but it was a bit more. I don't know. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. You know, there certainly wasn't anybody net decking uh, WKO winner there or anything, was there? You know, no, no, I don't think we had that kind of information to hand to be able to do that, even if we wanted to. One thing that did happen a couple of weeks before was the Bard Blitz team with the Morphin Jar uh, and Miri to get the characters in quickly and swing in with Bard and do 20 damage turn three. Yes, yeah, that's right. And I think that's very much what was going on at the top tables. I mean, I wouldn't know, I was so far away. <laughs> I'd have, was, get, I'd have to get my binoculars out to know what was going on up there. It, it was something that I know, like a couple of weeks before we saw it online, and so we were like, we need to try this out. And the teams that we had been prepping and play testing and swapping things out, tinkering, we blew them out of the water really quickly. And we're like, well, what's all this about? We've got these teams that we've been practicing with, these really good solid teams that we've worked on for ages. We've played this bar team once and we've completely destroyed. So that was a, an eye opener. I had a tinker kind of between the qualifier and the actual nationals and I decided against taking Bard for the qualifier, but he was right in there for nationals. <laughs> Even though yeah. he had nothing to do with the team whatsoever, he did not really gel with it. All you need to do is get him out and he, he swang in for his damage. Yeah, and so that leads us neatly to talking about that period of time between the 2016 UK Nationals and the point at which we joined the standard competitive model and started to hold WKOs here in the UK, which is like like the second phase that you talked about before. And I think, sadly, we, like many others around the world, just started to stagnate a little bit there. I mean, it was fantastic having the WKOs, and I really hope, although we don't know what's happening yet, I would hope that they would emulate that, if not kind of escalate it for uh, for the, the season that's coming up yeah it's it's a boring period really in regards to the the card choices and and the games because most of the teams were the same yeah you had bard oracle elf thief imprisoned yeah. win in fact yeah. the mantra for going into the first wko that that we had was literally the purchases of elf thief oracle resurrect bumped them all in for the next turn bard imprisoned win yeah and that's that's pretty much what we did for, for that whole off season was just kind of play that team and into the first stage of the WKOs. That was by a mile of the way to win. Yeah, by a country mile, absolutely. And I think it did have somewhat of an impact on what was going on within our meta. I think those who've read my written blog posts through that period of time, and, and prior to that, I suppose, I'm very much a non-meta player. I absolutely downright refuse to even touch the half-elf bard and place it on a team. There's lots of written content where I was sharing my thoughts at the time when I was preparing teams for WKOs and going through that season, especially the first. So let me get this right in the head. The the winter WKOs, was it first? And yes, then... yeah, it was November November time. 
Yeah, so the, the winter and then the spring as the two kind of phases. Yeah. It, it was, it, I, I was at danger of it being a very miserable time because I don't play meta teams. I don't like to take meta teams and uh, I didn't want to touch the bard or utilize it. And uh, I was at danger of, you know, really that, that kind of stagnant scene there really, really affecting my mindset. You know, I found my own way of surviving through that and it's well documented in my posts on the, on the blog. But yeah, there was a, as you say, a, a period of boredom really through that. But I think an interesting thing happened during the, the spring season of wkos yeah a, a few things happened i mean the, the first off was the, the beholder team did really well in the american wkos with the, more information that we were getting and, and i think facebook becoming more used by both us and the guys over the other side of the pond and sure. we heard about it a lot quicker than we had done for previous team builds and if possible, they managed to build something that was more brutal than the bar team. And that was, you know, I took it to the spring WKO down in the, the south coast, came second against Ben Scott, who has the ability to pick 10 cards at random and, and win a WKO. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we are utterly convinced that, that Ben just drops his binder on the floor and just picks up the first 10 cards that fell out of the binder and somehow manages to make a WKO winning team out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing like taking a top meta beholder team and and watching it get destroyed by someone who's taken a squirrel girl uh, <laughs> to um uh, to to make you feel feel worthy. Um, but then, again, my partner in crime, Mickey, he won the the WKRP in Nottingham with the mm-hmm. beholder team. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so he did well with it as well. The other thing that I noticed whilst I was destroying people with the net deck that I'd ripped off was um, <laughs> that people were getting bored with the Bard. The spring WK that I went to, Bard wasn't as prevalent at all as it had been in the past. It was like people just was like, Do you know what? I love the game. This card, the Bard card, is boring. We're going to try something different. And it's fantastic. See, the, the game that I remember the most was, and I can't remember his name, his name was Phil. If you're listening, put a comment, let us know who you are. He had this awesome, awesome old school AVX team, which had the old favourites had uh, Serena, had Green Goliath, it had Force Attack, Global with Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, and Zombie Magneto, I think, was in there. I'm sure it's on your blog somewhere, the team lists. Yes. Do check out the blog. And it was really, really hard because with all the prepping, you're just kind of prepping against the bar team as the thing that you think someone's going to bring against you. And then he came in and did serious amount of damage just by old fashioned serena swing in four damage round again for another four damage and really put me on the, the back fence i scraped through that to get into the final against ben but yeah i mean it was, it was opening up which leads us on to the build-up towards nationals 2017 yeah well so uh, a very interesting thing happened the whiz kids announcement was made about rotation plans and so that clearly set the foundation for how things were going to look and feel moving forward however the date in which our our uk national was due to take place was just ever so slightly before the new rotation kicked in and WizKids, in discussion with the TO that was running the National over here, decided to put the the Bard up for a vote <laughs> prior to the event taking place, which they which they conducted through Facebook, and gave the community the option to decide, even though we were going to be a golden event for our National, whether we were going to just ban the Bard. Gave us that decision to make, and I, I don't think it would surprise anyone to know that the conclusion of that poll was to, yeah, <laughs> not the Bard on the head completely. It was a very strong vote for for getting rid of him 
there was some contentious debate around it, as I'm sure people imagine, and certainly UK listeners will will probably have been involved in that debate. There was many who felt it was a bit of a dangerous precedent to potentially set to be a banning card, the final leg of the competitive rotation. And uh, I think also there was a little bit of concern that there was people chipping in on the debate and on the argument who who had no intention of playing in the UK national, you know, or hadn't qualified at that point, which I think were all, all fair and reasonable points. However, we are a community and we kind of operate as one. Uh, yeah, I mean, initially I was dead against it. But when you think about it more and the opportunity to, to widen what cards and what teams you were going to be playing or playing against, I, I, I changed my tune, did a complete flip-flop on it and went, actually, do you know what, I think it's a brilliant idea. Clearly that was a, a unique moment in meta development because uh, nobody else would have competed in an event that was a golden event that had a barred ban taking place. That was the only time that has to, that has ever happened, uh, which almost makes it in some ways incomparable to, to other nationals that are taking place across the world. It meant that people, I think, were flicking through the binders uh, looking at some cards in a new way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had been working on and we'd worked on for, for quite a while was a team with Ultraman in because myself and, and Mickey Hill, we uh, we play tested together. We loved the uh, the Beholder, but end of days had proven to be its downfall. The whole mechanic of firing everything off while firing imprisoned in the front line off was brutal. And Ultraman could do that in the main step, which meant that end of days didn't do anything because you just wouldn't field anything until after it had triggered mm. we'd been working on quite a while for that team since the uh, the spring wkos and we'd practiced against the bar team so that's why we were oh no we've done all this practicing against the bar team because we we're expecting there to be everyone else with with that team and we had to rejig. I, I think that's that that kind of point of experimentation that happened meant that the UK nationals this year produced some really interesting teams. I was very encouraged to see some experimentation going on with the lantern ring, limited only by imagination. And we saw uh, many different variants of that actually playing over the uh, the Nationals weekend, both at the qualifying events and at the Nationals itself. We saw some interesting stuff being experimented with uh, around the Ultraman. Uh, I mean, some crazy heads even turned up with Colossus, Piotr, Rasputin teams. Uh, Madness, I know, but um, credit to them, I think, for their inventiveness and and their nostalgic approach to the meta. Um, To be fair, he didn't do that bad. uh, I did all right. Yeah. I did all right. There's a couple of nice teams with the Beholder and X23. Oh, yes. Yes, that's yeah. right. So uh, you get rid of Beholder with End of Days and let X23 go through with, just for the big damage. Yeah, it becomes just some kind of uh, over-crushing behemoth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I but... got lucky not playing against them because they would have messed up my team quite badly. Well, you know, count, count your lucky stars. Next year, I'm coming for you, man. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think that moment of experimentation, that very kind of unique meta bubble that happened just at that moment in time with the golden setup, but including the ban of the bard, meant that, that actually it was a, uh, a really enjoyable event. And I think it, there was a moment of reinvigoration for a lot of people at that point as well, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a brilliant event, although I'm biased because I've won. There's loads <laughs> of different teams, loads of experimentation. We got on Facebook and they're like, well, we haven't got bards, right? You know, suddenly it's a free for all. What kind of teams can you make? They are going to be top tier, but, you know, you can't include the, the staple of the top tier team for the last year and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So it was a great event and it was a great little meta moment for us. And that then leads us quite neatly into kind of what happened then for our meta uh, in this point now. Yeah, so now we've got modern. So we've got rid of a lot of the, the, the great staple cards. So Blue Eyes is gone, which I still mourn. 
PXG is gone. Yeah. So Constantine's my big, uh, my big. I'm, I'm, I've, I've tattooed three tears on my cheek for Constantine. <laughs> Doesn't that mean you've murdered someone in prison? Uh, well, if it does, I am clearly using the wrong analogy. <laughs> I might be wrong. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> less, less about my dark past. Um, <laughs> Let's move forward. So, yeah, where was it? Staples have, have gone. So, PXG, which... Yeah. See you later. Beautiful. Your zombie Magnetos, who's always good. Your, your AVX bad boys. So, Hulk, Serena, Gobby. Storm. Um, Storm. All gone. So, we've got a, a reduced card pool, which I suppose in many ways is... is it's either it's not as powerful or we just haven't explored it as fully as we should do. Well, yeah. So we've had conversations about this before. My, my take on it, and I've written about it on the blog, is that I think uh, actually Professor X, his removal through rotation uh, has had a big impact because I, I feel like it's opened the field up to allow some of the more slow burning wind conditions uh, that, that, that while was solid, in you know on paper in terms of strategy just couldn't compete with the pace of some of the faster four turn five turn in your face wins that you were getting from your bards your ultramans your beholders uh, and to a lesser extent the the ring teams especially the mass ring team that, that just mm. really ramped up fast through using pxg uh, has really transformed some of the meta potential i think in some things that were that were perhaps scratching the surface of the, of the higher tiers but didn't quite get through because they were more of a slow burn uh, and one means of explaining that that i've used on the blog in the past is to say that well pxg is like pulling a pin out of a grenade and exploding it there and then uh, you know, a bit of a ramp grenade, boom, first turn, bang, I'm straight in on six to eight dice in my second turn, you know. Whereas an increased focus now on swarm ramp, which I think is, you know, through your dark sides, your multiple men, is more like lighting a fuse, a long fuse to some dynamite. So it, you're not getting that immediate hit, but when things do start to kick into pace, your, your strategies that take a little bit more time to set up have got more breathing room to, to exist. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to work to get to your bigger cards. You can still get them with, as you said, with Swarm and with your energy fixes, but without Blue Eyes and without PXG, it's harder to reach for your, your kind of turn two, turn three, six costs. Although you can still do it, it's not as consistent. Yeah, it's not as consistent, and it comes at a cost. You know, the great example here, of course, is is Dark Side. Uh, I don't think anybody would deny at this moment in time that he is clearly the ramp card of choice for for many at this moment in time. Well, certainly there's a lot of ramp experimentation going on with how we use him. One strategy that I've seen used quite a bit lately: just buy your cheap two cost, drop them into your prep area with your chalkboard global roll five dice in turn two but actually roll that character dice for energy not for the character itself make your dark side purchase at that point but then he's dropping into the bag and so he's taking time to sort of roll back round his fielding cost can be very painful for someone in a low dice rolling round and then you need a second dice here the sidekick dice or the ally that you've chosen to pair him up with and you've got to keep them alive you know they've got to stay in the field so you're working harder for the value you know yeah, it's certainly elongating the game, isn't it? It's 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 stretching the time out for you to get to your swing for the damage. 
Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's the same with multiple man. You know, he's got a high fielding cost at his, t- uh, at his top level. Well, he's got a fielding cost at every level, but uh, he's particularly high. The two at the top level can be particularly painful early doors to start a swarm cycle. It can take a couple of turns to get your purchases up, to get your, your three, four, five, six dice rolling through to benefit from the swarm. At his lower levels, it's a challenge to keep him in the field sometime. I mean, I've been experimenting with multiple man for a long time now. And one challenge I often faced was, was keeping him alive. Yeah. You know, whereas Professor X, you can use the global without, uh, aside from your Oracle and your Elf Thief, which I think obviously slowed down Professor X. So, yeah, I think your long burn strategies that are coming through from Swarm, Ramp, that are taking more time and you can breathe a bit more about setting up all your levers and pulleys to, towards your win condition, being given more space to exist. Yeah, yeah. So the meta now has got a few teams that have come to the forefront, got the Swarm build up to get to your bigger characters like the dark side gorilla grod ring is still prevalent but not only his mask ring with your multiple man ronan op scarecrow that all fit in nicely to that as well as oracle elf thief as well you've also got the the shield ring team that did well at worlds using the kal-el global what has it got in it it's got the uh the the giant spider and the namorita yeah um got that and, and guy garner's come back uh, yeah with from, a with a dead. with a fist ring twist on it yeah yeah and you using the energy fixer to play around with getting sidekicks to buff him up and you can uh, fix it to a fist and then use that with the too big to fly global to pump so there's, there's a few variations that's come to the fore but it's my opinion that there are a lot of just as if not more competitive teams that just haven't haven't been found yet yeah i mean there's an awful lot of talk it's not touched our shores yet but there's a lot of talk coming out of the u.s around superman centric builds with the new jimmy olsen from the superman wonder woman starter set opening up perhaps something there that has competitive potential i know that there's definitely stuff in the batman set that is potentially unmined opportunity for strong meta teams that could go the distance competitively i'm trying to think i'm sat here now trying to think of an example uh so hawk and dove could, could be an example of something you know you don't know what someone's going to tinker away at do you the fireflies i think are, are potentially attractive to people that could either fit into some existing strategies or people could develop new strategies around and the spoilers around the guardians of the galaxy set are clearly indicating that there's some stuff on the horizon that shake things up yeah i think over the next few months with what we've seen coming there are some very powerful cards which are coming in. And I wonder if WizKids have had these in mind for a while, but wanted to keep them back whilst other powerful cards from things like AVX and the, the first D&D set, and maybe it would combine well. But you've got, what have you got coming? You've got the, the Wonder Woman that's coming out, the Wonder Woman set, which is going to shut down a lot of the current teams. It's going to make ring teams really hard to do well. Uh, yeah, we've got the Dwarf Wizards, bigger sister on the way in Shriek. Yep, and one card which I think is going to make a pretty big splash, maybe more than what's expected, is the the doppelganger, the one where if you roll a sidekick, you get to take him off your opponent. Or if your opponent rolls a sidekick, you get you get it till the end of the turn. You imagine rolling badly, or, or you know you roll, you get a sidekick that goes over. That, you know you've lost that energy. You re-roll, you might get another one, and then suddenly you're down two, maybe three, maybe all your energy. Yeah, absolutely, and. <laughs> Yeah, there's some real shenanigans potential within that, isn't there? We've got Adam Warlock that I spied in the spoilers that lets you trigger when fielded twice, which I think could bring some interesting twists. And of course, the Captain Britain Iron Man, which is clearly going to be meta-shaking. 
Yeah, what does he do? I think he's not got a bad ability, is he? Um... It's, it's an incredible ability, if for no other reason than the Union Jack is in the picture. But <laughs> yeah. while Captain Britain Iron Man is active, whenever you field a character die or use a basic action die, you may purchase a copy of that die for up to three less. To a minimum of one. That could be good. Yeah, there's there's something cheeky that could be yeah. coming out of the woodwork with that one there. Yeah, something cheeky indeed. So, yeah, lots of stuff on the horizon with the Maximum Carney set, the Superman Wonder Woman set, the unmined potential that still sits within Batman that's yet to be explored at the WK competitive level and the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that we've seen on the horizon as well. So we've got quite an interesting meta going on now, but I think it's, it's still got some growth and evolution to take place. Yeah, I think it's very exciting to see what's going to happen over the next few months and seeing what the uh, the competitive season this year in the UK will hold and, and if it will have this, the same kind of structure as, as last year or if it's going to get beefed up at all. Or I suppose, well, we don't know at the moment whether it's going to happen or not. But certainly with the cards that's coming out and I think with the, the, the way it's been, uh, it seems to be planned quite well to elongate games. Uh, and get rid of the bard and some of the the more quick brutal staples that we used to have is going to be exciting yeah and and even more so gen con they're running a golden a draft and a modern event within that so there's going to be some really interesting stuff i think coming through at the other side of that and that will be an event to watch to give us a sense of how the future might look so really exciting time to be playing dice masters i feel yeah yeah i mean one thing i would say is if you're in the uk and you're thinking of playing do go to one of these events you know if you've played a little bit with friends then come along it's really really friendly no one's going to grill you if you get something wrong i mean i get enough rules wrong every time i play you know come along it's a good mix as well of players you get some top tier as well as as you chris that um (laughs) you know want to experiment more with teams but are still very good players and well, I'm even doubting I'm any good a player at this at this point. <laughs> but but thank you, it was nice of you to no. say. Yeah, we we absolutely would encourage people to come along because I don't think it's competitive in the same sense as you might experience with other games that play events of a similar nature. And it's a very exciting time for diversity and intriguing combos that may come through and produce some very interesting win conditions. So there we are then. Yeah, the the UK Dice Masters meta past, present and future. Lots of great stuff yet to come, I think. We're often scheduled in ahead of the rest of the world, and hopefully we'll attract some interest in terms of what we've got going on over this side of the water when things start to kick off, probably around November time, if, if they follow the same structure again. Uh, so yeah, we'll wrap that up there. I think that was a great little chat. Thank you very much, Andy, for bringing that one to the table. If you've got any comments, any thoughts, or would like to ask any questions about our meta over this side, or, or you'd like to call us out on, on something that we've said, correct anything that we may be off the mark on, uh, or offer your own thoughts and opinion, please feel free to visit the Britroll 6 blog uh, and add something to the comments there, or message us directly in the Contact Us page. And we'll, we'll give you a mention and uh, share some of your thoughts too in the future. Thanks for listening. Thank you. So it's been a particularly spoiler-tastic couple of weeks in the world of Dice Masters. And there's been a fair number of spoilers dropping through for, well, a lot of the upcoming uh, set uh, that we're going to be seeing. And we've been talking about doing a little segment for a while called the Pick of the Week, where we talk about a card that's caught our eye or something we're playing around with. And there is one particular card in that selection of spoilers that I know caught Andy's eye. And therefore, we have chosen to start our first ever Pick of the Week discussion with that particular spoiler card, haven't we, Andy? You want to... You want to jump in there, Chief? We have to leave a gap. What are we leaving a gap for? 
leaving a gap for the uh, uh, the little jingle that I did. Oh, mate. I'm not... Do you really want me to use the jingle? We have to. It's amazing. <sighs> I'm not... I'm not... Yeah. Okay. Pick of the week! Yes, a card that's caught my eye is the Heimdall from the Thor set that's coming out. It's a gravity feed, isn't it? Uh, it's a dra- isn't it a draft pack set? Isn't it a draft pack and then gravity feed later? Or have I just wished that? Well, maybe we should have researched that before we started talking about it on the recording. But in any case... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but yeah, hi though. Uh, I'm sure it's been seen by you guys listening. And I have affectionately renamed it HXG because it is PXG, baby. <laughs> PXG, baby. <laughs> oh, it's back. Oh, yeah, it's back, isn't it? Look at that. Look at that global. Just cool. screaming at me. Do you want to do the uh, reserve pool style card readout? Uh, uh, no, you do. You're better than me. Okay, cool. So, so I do it in the the style of Michaela, Stuart, or Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you? Do you have uh, all three within your range? Uh, no, I'll just do it as myself. Right. So it is uh, <laughs> Heimdall. None shall pass. It is a seven cost mask card. The game text, which no one cares about, but I'll read it anyway, is um, <laughs> it's a mortal, which means except when purchased, when this die would go to the use pile, instead add it to your bag. And then it's when fielded, draw and roll one die for each character die with a mortal in the field zone. But who cares about that? The global is global, pay a mask once per turn, boo, on your turn. Boo. You may prep two sidekick dice from your use pile. Yay! Uh, and the stats are two, five, six, two, seven, seven, three, eight, eight. But who's going to buy it? Who's All going right, to buy well, it? Well, not, not, yeah, I'm about to say it. He's, uh, that's a steep fielding cost on that bad boy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Although those stats are pretty impressive. Yeah, so. Uh, you, yeah, uh, the minute this card hit Facebook, the instant message frenzy between the two of us begins. <laughs> um, because I think it's well documented on the blog post that I write. I've probably mentioned it before already in the few short episodes that we've done that I was never really a big fan of Professor X. He did my nutting. However... I love him. Guess yeah. who's back? Back again. Oh. PXG's back. Tell your friends. You're, you're so excited about this card. I was encouraged to see that maybe swarm tactics, swarm strategies were going to be kicking into play as the, the new world of Dice Masters ramp and churn. But it appears that that's, only, that's going to be short-lived. And uh, when's this due to come out in the new year? Oh, man, it's going to be out like in 2019. I won't worry too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, over, over here, over here, but clearly we're, we're only going to have a short run of competitive events before he arrives and starts to dominate. But he's not entirely the full, bold despicableness that was Professor X, is he? No, he has been toned down. Well, the global has been toned down quite a lot. The HXG global, um, uh, which is... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're clearly so determined to enter that into the Dice Masters lexicon. <laughs> Mate, I am pushing. I'm going to probably repeat that a couple of times. Yeah, yes, it's only once per turn. 
so you can only do it once which is a bit naff and it's only on your turn as well so there'll be no holding on to your masks for your opponent's turn and then doing the cheese where there's no uh, out of play and flicking everything over to the prep area so you only be able to do it once and you only get to do it on your turn however if two people take it so if you've got it and your opponent can take it you can do it twice on your turn which makes it better so you can get four dice over so if you go in second you can still rip in i suppose if even if you go in first you rip in uh elf thief turn one turn two you've got four in your use pile you roll four dice and elf thief and if you've got heimdall on both sides and you get lucky with your masks with the the elf thief you could ping some over and you can get four into your prep and then draw and another four out so you could get eight on turn three which which would be very nice yeah i mean it's still quite a bit slower isn't it but by comparison to what was going on in the pxg days people just rinsing their their used pile in your opponent's first turn to great effect but it's not so much about the ramp i suppose is it with pxg as it was about the ability to kind of control your bag and what was coming in and out your bag for you which heimdall doesn't necessarily help you out quite as much with no i mean the thing with with pxg was that pretty much if you're doing it right you can rinse through everything and be rolling everything every turn bar horrific dice rolls and keep things coming in and out of your bag and whatever you're purchasing kind of bringing them straight out straight away and this is it's going to help and and more so if there's two on the table uh, but with one you're going to get an extra couple pretty straightforward so getting up to six cost isn't going to be as troublesome as it has been he's certainly going to be a big player when it comes to gorilla grod centric teams or you know there's some very high cost interesting cards due in guardians of the galaxy uh, like the collector and thanos uh, that this guy's going to be a big help towards getting the purchase power together for uh, I, I wonder if maybe we'll see people go to the lengths of doubling him up with the super rare dark side although that might be overkill I was thinking with the, the super rare Captain Britain Iron Man. Of course, for Queen so of Country. Get, of course, so you're getting the reduced cost down. Was it it's three less with him? Yes. If, so you got three less, so you can prep two dice, so you can be going for those big big characters quite quickly. That was what my thinking anyway. It's not very developed, but no. it will be. No, but there's, uh, it, it clearly is going to create a meta shift uh, around people's ramp strategies we were edging towards the dark side swarm more slow burn strategies that rely on you building up your your swarm resources to to get the wheels in motion and for what you want to achieve heimdall you know we're back to hand grenade ramp <laughs> you <laughs> sound so bitter about it well you know so the thing is I mean, there's a lot going on here. I think some part of it is that I could never quite get PhD to work for me the way I wanted it to work. I thought maybe we might just see a little bit more variety. Oracle, which I absolutely despise, might drop off the radar a little bit if, if people... You know, with no more blue eyes, no more PXG, maybe ramp choking with, with that combination. It wasn't going to be quite as much of a thing. And, and other ways of dealing with globals might come into play. And I just feel like he's just... I, th- I feel like he's sent us a little backwards. Nah. I think he's been toned down enough, or the, 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 the globe has been toned down enough that it's not going to 
to change the game as much as PXG did. Because as soon as you put PXG on the board, it is a completely different game. Whereas this is just going to be a couple of dice over for a little bit more ramp. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I absolutely get what you're trying to say. And this is why I didn't fervently object to you using it as a pick of the week. Um, <laughs> perhaps less the Ministry of Dice pick of the week and more Andy's pick of the week. But nonetheless, it's definitely going to be one to watch. We are going to be seeing Heimdall on teams in the competitive season. And I think he's he's going to have an impact, undoubtedly. So one to watch and one to try and get your hands on, definitely. HXG? HXG, absolutely. Uh, so there you go. There's our Ministry of Dice pick of the week. We plan on doing more picks of the week. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Next one, I think probably might be my choice. Uh, and maybe let's take a closer look at Cosmo the Space Dog. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Andy. Cheers, bye. <laughs> Well, there we go, folks. I think we'll wind that one up there. Thank you so very much for coming along and listening to our little podcast today. Just a quick reminder before we go, head over to the Contact Us tab on the BritRoller6.com blog to fire across your Dice Masters challenges, problems, sad stories for Uncle Chris and Agony Aunt Andy to take a look at for a future Q Branch episode. And if there's any stores or clubs out there that have got something uh, cool coming up, then let us know. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, feel free to comment on the comment section on the blog or find us on Facebook. Drop us a note. We, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, or even if you just want to try and butter us up to get a, get a mention, because who doesn't love a mention on a podcast, Andy? I know I do. I know I do too. But uh, in the meantime, come back for episode five. We're coming back in two weeks. Remember, we're fortnightly on a Monday. And in the next episode, you'll find out more about Andy's special little team project that he's been working on in his Q branch. Um, so until next time, that's a thank you from me. I've been Chris, otherwise known as True Mr. Six. And I've been Andy, a.k.a. Nice and Dicey. <laughs> yeah, you have. Uh, thanks very much, folks. Until next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> nice and dicey. <laughs> Love it. say there let's get (laughs) ready to rumble um i was about to go proper into uh ring ringside announcer then i don't think i'll bother (laughs) weighing in at 240 pounds